0: You may be seated and take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Last week uh, we looked at Paul's opening two verses uh, that um, describe, I believe, for us um, how a congregation, what a Christian congregation, uh, the characteristics. This week, uh, we're going to look at the next passage uh, that narrows it down a little more specifically uh, and talks about what exactly are the characteristics of a Christian. Uh, And we see that as Paul describes uh, how he's praying uh, for the Philippians and uh, what what he uh, desires to see uh, take place uh, in their lives. And it's uh, kind of an interesting list. Uh, And we're going to have to move quickly. I I really struggled this week uh, in trying to find exactly... where, where to stop in the text. It, uh, depending on how you read it, uh, the paragraph either ends after uh, verse uh, 8, I believe, or verse 11. Uh, And so I I struggled with trying to figure out, uh, and I finally uh, felt comfortable, uh, felt like the Lord said, okay, here it is. Uh, And so we've got a long, rather long text, uh, and a long list we're going to look at this morning. Um, And Uh, It's an interesting list. Uh, If I was uh, to have uh, asked you as you come in the door uh, to make me a list uh, of the characteristics of a uh, devoted, uh, mature follower of Jesus Christ, um, I want you to think for just a moment while I'm talking. uh, I'm going to ask you to multitask. I'm going to ask you to think and listen. uh, And think for a moment what you'd put on that list. What are some of the characteristics when you think of a mature, devoted follower of Jesus Christ uh, that you would think of? Uh, And uh, there there are some things that probably would show up uh, on all uh, of our list. But uh, Paul's going to mention some of those. Uh, there are a few things on this list that uh, I think are, uh, are what we would expect to find, but there's a few of them uh, that uh, may, uh, I think, surprise us just a little bit uh, and probably in most of our lives uh, need a little bit of work. Uh, we uh, need to be a, do a little better uh, in these areas. And so uh, after Paul greets the people, uh, he says to them, I thank my God, in all the remembrance uh, of you, and, and so, as we start looking at uh, this list, uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit last week uh, in the congregation uh, characteristics but uh, here 's something that, uh, that that I want to point out to you uh, especially I think it 's extremely important uh, and possibly more important today uh, than it was when Paul was writing. Again, remember Paul was writing. Uh, from prison uh, and uh, he was uh, writing back to the Philippians in, in many ways uh, one of his priorities here was thanking them uh, for their financial support uh, they had taken up an offering sent to him and he was writing a, a, a thank you card uh, but he says in this passage I thank my God uh, in all remembrance uh, of you uh, and, and I can imagine in my mind uh, Paul setting in that uh, Uh, jail cell. Uh, And as he was sitting there, uh, his mind reflected back again. We believe uh, that Paul had uh, made at least four trips uh, to Philippi. We know of two for sure. uh, And we think two more. And there could be more. Uh, and so Paul had a lot of friends. He had Lydia and, uh, and some others uh, who were uh, friends with him, who had been main key supporters uh, of his. And, and he had those uh, fond memories, and he realized something here uh, that I think is important uh, for you and I today, for a mature believer to understand, and that is, first of all, the community. Paul understood uh, that uh, he wasn't in this uh, by himself. We talked last week, son, uh, about Paul discipling Timothy, uh, that Paul was, uh, was working to develop young Timothy and prepare him uh, for the ministry. Uh, but on the other side of that uh, is the thought that Paul uh, also had people uh, pouring in to his life. He had people who were coming alongside of him and and supporting him and and working with him and praying with him. Uh, He had uh, people who were uh, confronting him when they thought he was uh, on the wrong path. He had people he prayed with. He had people who he prayed for. He had people who were praying for him. And so my point this morning uh, out of that statement when Paul says, I thank God for my remembrance of you. Paul understood that he was part uh, of something much larger than himself. Now, Paul, let's be honest, Paul was a rock star, uh, you know, scripturally speaking. Uh, you know, I mean, He wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, you know, Paul was a superstar. Uh, I mean, there, there, there's no, no doubt about that. But even with that uh, clout, You know, when when Paul walked in and said, you know, this is the way I think you ought to do things, people went to scurry. And I mean, Paul was, you know, when Paul said, I've got a word from the Lord, hey, we're still here today talking about Paul saying, I've got a word from the Lord. You know, Paul again, was, you know, again, a superstar. But yet Paul understood that he wasn't the star. Paul understood that he was in this walk together. And a mature follower of Jesus Christ understands that. And he is uh, willing to work with others. He is willing uh, to learn from others. He is willing uh, to walk along with others. He understands that that he needs the prayers of others. He understands that he needs to pray for others. He he understands he needs to pray with others others. He understands that he needs to be preached to and taught as much as he needs to preach and teach. He understands again the the value of the body. Jesus talks about that. He says we are part of the body of Christ. One of the things that a, a mature believer understands is that we all are important in the work of Christ. We're all part of the work. Some lead the singing, some sing, and some listen. Yeah. You know, all of us are, are, are part. You can have the best worship leader in the world, but if he doesn't have anybody to lead, he's about useless. You can have, you know, you can have great singers, but if you don't have somebody to listen, what's the point? And so all of us, you can find the best Sunday school teachers in the world and stand them up. And if there's not a class there to hear the lesson, or you can get a really eager class, and if you don't have a teacher, what's the point? We're all part of the great work of Jesus Christ. And what I want everybody in this room to understand this morning is listen to me, and and listen to me carefully. I don't care how young you are or how old you are, where you are in life, where you are in your Christian walk. You could have been a follower of Jesus Christ for 50 years, or you could have been a follower of Jesus Christ for 50 minutes. You could be, you know, wherever you are, you are an important part of the kingdom of God. Every person saved by grace is important. You have a role to play. I, I I I hear it on a fairly regular basis uh, that, that uh, many people in, in church and uh, in, in, in congregations, many followers of Jesus Christ. You ask, you say something to them, you know, about where do you go to church? Well, I I, I tend down at so and so. What, what what do you do there? Oh, nothing. I just you know, I'm not, I'm a nobody. No, you're not. Listen to me. If you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you're a child of the King. There's no way you're a nobody. There's no way you're a nobody. Every function matters. Somebody's got to unlock the door and turn on the lights. Somebody has to run the sound. Somebody has to preach. Somebody has to clean up. Somebody has to teach. Somebody has to sing. Somebody has to invite people into God. Everybody is important. Paul said, I, even Paul understood the importance of the community of believers. That we are all, as the song says, marching to Zion. We're all, when we, we sang a while ago, when we all get to heaven. Not part of us. I listen. I want to tell you something I believe with all my heart. I don't believe the Apostle Paul got a bigger welcome into into the gates of glory than you will. That not tickle anybody? I don't believe Billy Graham got a bigger welcome into the gates of glory than the guy that drove his bus. We're all part. And a mature believer understands that and recognizes that they are important. We all are there to edify, the Bible says, to encourage each other. You you never know who your life is impacting. You never know whose life you're having an influence on. And so it's important that we grow in our relationship with God because we're all part of the kingdom. And a mature believer understands that and their community is part of what makes them important. And we learn... The other thing that comes out of community is that we learn to be thankful for each other. Not jealous not resentful of, of someone else in the family of God, but we all support each other. And we're thankful for each other. Listen, community, read, read, the, read the New Testament. This isn't just something I've chosen out of one particular verse. That's something you see throughout the New Testament church. The value, the, the importance of the kingdom the community the kingdom of god coming together loving each other supporting each other praying for each other working together for the common good the common goal of bringing more people into the kingdom listen a mature believer is is focused on the community now I read a story, and and actually I was going to use this later um, in the message, but I think it's important here. It fits better here, I think. Um, And I can't remember his name now. Um, There was a, a, a chaplain that was embedded with the soldiers during World War II. And he wrote about how as they prepared to invade France, on, uh, on d day they, they prepared for that and they worked together. And how as the soldiers came together on the ships, on the boats that were going across the channel to, to, to invade, he said it was interesting how there was no arguing, no fighting among the men, no disagreements, no petty arguments over who got what gun, or, and I'm paraphrasing his story. No petty disagreements about any of that kind of stuff. See, but on the way home, after the battles, it was all different. So there were fighting among the men, arguments among the men, fighting over who was going to sit where, all kinds of little petty disagreements. And so one of the soldiers asked him, said, what's different? What happened?" What changed? What what happened? We were so united on the way over, but on the way back, we're at each other's throats. What happened? And the chaplain looked at him and said, Son, on the way over, we were all united for one cause. We were all focused on our mission. But now the mission has been complete and everybody's went to thinking back to thinking about themselves can i suggest to you that the reason there's a lot of the bickering and fighting that goes on in churches all over the land is because we're not focused on the mission we're focused on ourselves but a mature christian See, when they were going across that channel, they knew that each other's lives were in, the, in each other's they, they didn't know which one of them might have to save the other one. They knew that their lives were in each other's hands. They, they knew that their life and death depended on cooperation and working together and overcoming the enemy. On the way back, they thought the enemy had been defeated and it was all about them. Folks, if that isn't for you a portrait of a lot of what goes on in Christianity today, you haven't been paying real close attention. We're not focused on the mission. A mature Christian focuses on the community. He's concerned about coming together. But not only did he say that, notice the next thing he says.
1: He says, always
0: in every prayer of mine for you making my prayer with joy. This just comes out of community. Second of all, is concern. It, a, a mature believer is concerned. Here's Paul sitting in prison. And he says, In every prayer, I pray for you. In every prayer, I pray for you. Now... Let's think for a moment what the, how this letter would have read if most believers would have been the author. Most believers, if we would have written this letter, it would have been what? Pray for me. I'm in a Roman prison. But Paul says, I'm praying for you. See, that's where maturity And being concerned about the community leads to concern. Over the years, I've had the distinct privilege and honor of visiting with some of our shut-ins who had never failed. That two things. One of them was I went to hopefully encourage them, and I left being encouraged. Second of all, I went knowing they had issues and health problems, and they didn't want to talk about them, but they did want to talk about how so-and-so, how so-and-so, are they doing okay? Is anybody sick I need to pray for? You know, you know, how do I need to pray for the, you know Those kinds of questions. That's a mark of a mature believer right there. That is concerned about the well-being of the body. Not just their physical needs. But they are concerned about how the body is doing. See, again, that's one of those that I think most of us, if, if we would have been making a list, we probably wouldn't have included on our list of mature marks of mature believers. But a mature believer is concerned about the community. He's concerned. Uh, he has concern. Second of all, notice what Paul says. And I make my prayer with joy. Third mark is contentment. And again, I call your attention to the fact, Paul wrote those crazy words from a Roman prison. I pray with joy. We've talked about joy. Joy isn't the Roman prison. Joy doesn't come from the Roman prison or the Roman guards or your surroundings. Paul says, I'm praying because I've got contentment on the inside. I've got joy on the inside as I think back about my friends in Philippi and I think about what God is doing in their life and I think about how God is changing them and transforming them and shaping them and molding them. How God is developing the church in Philippi. How He is bringing more people to know Christ in Philippi. It just makes my heart go pitter-patter. See, a mature believer is content. you remember what Paul said? Paul says, I'm content wherever you put me. That's paraphrasing his words. Paul says, I'm content. In whatever circumstance, in whatever situation I find myself in. Listen, joy joy of the Lord. It's not like the, the happiness of the world. Paul says, this comes from the inside. And this prison can't take it away. These guards can't take it away. See, we know that during Paul's imprisonment in Rome, there there was a lot of the time that he was basically on what we would call today house arrest. Paul was able to have visitors and have people come and go. He was basically... I mean, if they, if they had those ankle bracelets, that's kind of what Paul was on at some time. But by the time he was writing this letter, we believe that Paul was in prison under pretty tight lockdown. Now listen, I'm not saying any prison is good, but I think everybody in this room is wise enough to know that a prison two thousand years ago in Rome was a little worse life than a, an American prison today you, you didn 't have all the oversight board the oversight board was the prison it was the guard they could pretty much do whatever they wanted to they feed you if they wanted to or not they drag you out and beat you if they wanted to whatever you were. At their mercy. And Paul says, I still have joy. I still have joy. If Paul would have known it, he would have sung that little kid song. I got the joy of Jesus, joy of Jesus down in my heart. Listen, that's a mature Christian. That's a follower of Christ. Not just contentment, concern, community. Notice the next thing that he describes here for us in verse 5. He says then, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day unto now. Not only things we've mentioned, but then the fourth thing is that connection. Paul says, I thank God for your partnership. It's a sense of fellowship. Now, here's where, and I know I've already talked about community, but I want to distinguish a little bit here in what Paul says. When Paul says here about his partnership, he says that, uh, I thank God for my partnership. Here's what distinguishes He says, partnership in the gospel. Partnership in the gospel. Listen, the Moose Lodge has community. Okay? But believers, mature believers, have connection. We are connected in the gospel. See, here's what distinguishes mature believers from anybody else on the planet. We have a common bond. When I look across this room, I see, as America has been described, a melting pot.
1: But if you are a child of God,
0: we are connected through the gospel. If you are a child of God, we, are, we have one thing in common. We may not like the same food. We may not like the same music. We may not like the same colors. We may not like the same people. But we are connected at the heart by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may, and in this room this morning I have no doubt, There are some of us here who have some different beliefs and opinions about some Scripture, okay? Me and one of my best friends completely disagree on end time events. He has a completely different time frame of how things are going to happen than me and the Bible do. Let that sink in. Yeah. And I've given him permission to be wrong. And I've told him, we, 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 and I, I'm sure I've told him, yeah, we have this understanding. I'm going to heaven seven years before he is because his timetable's all wrong. But we're, all gonna, but, but we're both going to get there through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's just going to be late. For once, I want to be on time. Okay? Okay. And she wasn't amening me, she was amening herself, I hope. Listen, what connects us? We may disagree on how we interpret Revelation. We may disagree over whether to immerse in baptism or to sprinkle yes those are important don't get me wrong but what really matters is that we agree that you're saved by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ and outside of that there is no salvation I'm not saying all the doctrines, all the teachings are not important. But I'm telling you, you can have your theology of baptism correct and bust hell wide open. You can have your eschatology absolutely correct. You can have every event calendared right, the rapture and the tribulation, and you can have it every bit on the calendar and die lost. But you can't mess up the gospel. Jesus Christ came to earth, died on a cross, was buried, rose again on the third day for your sins. That you better get right. And that connects us. And as mature believers, we understand that. It's a crying shame. Some of the petty divisions and vickering and arguing that goes on among Supposed followers of Jesus Christ. It. Publicly on top of that. Listen, if we're fo- we, we need to be able to unite. We, we're connected around this truth. Again, that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. We need to unite. On, listen, again, I'm not saying the others are not important. And we can discuss them. We can debate them. As long as we agree when it's all said and done on the Gospel. Paul says we are connected at the Gospel. We have the same salvation. We have the same Savior. And if you have the same salvation and the same Savior, we just sung about it again when we all get to heaven. There's not a Methodist heaven and a Baptist heaven and a Church of God heaven and a non-denominational heaven. There's a saved by grace, washed in the blood, forgiven by Jesus heaven, and that's all. We're connected, and a mature believer understands that. That leads to the next characteristic of a mature believer, and that is their confidence. Look what he says in verse 6. He says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Folks, I don't know much. We had a debate, some of y'all probably saw me and Archie a while ago, going back and forth, trying to figure something out. We was trying to decide if we had the right words on the coming up on the screen for a song compared to what Archie had on his phone. He said, are they the same? I said, I don't know. I said, I think so. You know, but I don't know. There's not many things, that, you know, not, not a whole lot of things in this world I'm positive of. Not anymore. Getting, and the list is getting shorter by the day. But one thing I am sure of, that he that began a good work in you will finish it. That he that began a good work in you will finish it. A mature believer has confidence that I don't know much. I don't know what that red horse is and who's riding him, but I know this, when it's all said and done and when everybody's wrapped up, I'll be in heaven with my Savior because He saved me by His grace. I'm confident of that. And a mature believer is confident.
1: None of this hope
0: so stuff. One of my favorite, well three of my favorite books are are the epistles of John. And John in that gospel, or in those epistles, I believe it's seven, or five, excuse me, five different occasions in those three three, uh, little letters writes this, I write these things that ye may know makes my skin crawl to hear somebody you say are you going to heaven they say I hope so I think so I want to listen to me this morning if you're sitting here if you're watching online and you can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt I know so today is the day of salvation let's get that square today I don't know many things I don't know when Jesus is coming but I know he is he is that one I'm sure of. And I know when he does come, I'm going with him. A mature believer is confident. Next, Paul says, A mature believer is compassionate. Look what he says as he goes on in verse 7. Uh, He says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. I I have you in my heart. For you are all partners with me of grace. For God is my witness. I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. We're going to come back to something we've been on twice already. Again, do you see that Paul shows us in different words and a different way that a mature believer is, has, has community with his believers, fellow believers. He is concerned about his fellow believers. He has compassion for his fellow believers. Again, from prison, Paul says, my heart yearns for you. I'm concerned about you. I want to make sure you're doing well. A mature believer has compassion for those around them. He goes on, not only compassion, but he says they are in control. Look what he says in verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge. And here's the key word in that verse. And discernment. Discernment. So that you may approve what is excellent, was pure and blameless for the day of Christ. A mature believer is in control. A mature believer, and, 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 and most of you have kind of been, I've noticed you nodding your heads, and I've heard a few amens, but I'm, I'm fixing to mess that up. Okay? And all of us at some point are probably guilty of this. Paul says a mature believer operates in discernment. One of the marks of a mature believer is good judgment, good decision making. Being able to to control their emotions and their temper. Being able, you know how much the New Testament writes about being able to control the tongue. James says the tongue's like the rudder on a ship. It's just a little piece back there, but it can turn the whole ship around. Paul says a mature believer has judgment, discernment. He is wise in his decision-making. He knows how to approve that which is right and condemn that which is wrong. He knows which side to be on. He knows the difference, again, in right and wrong. He knows which he makes his decisions discerned based on on the guidance of Scripture. And you can only make those kinds of decisions when you are studying God's Word, when you're in God's Word, when you're being preached to, when you're being taught, when you're studying on your own, when you're praying over that text, and you're learning what God's Word says. I've used the illustration before, but it's still appropriate. My kids and them stupid video games. Never failed. They'd want to play. And I'd say, where's the instructions? Oh, I ain't got them no more. You know, I don't want to play them. Because they'd push buttons and make their man do things. And I, I have a clue what was going on. I want to see the instructions. You ever tried to play a game without the rules? I don't care what it is. Hopscotch. Anything. You've got to know the rules. The child of God knows the rules and is in control of their life. Allows the Holy Spirit to guide them and to direct them. That's what it means when it says to be filled with the Spirit. We are controlled by the Spirit of God. And then finally, he says the last thing, and this just kind of sums it all up. Look what he says in verse 11. Here it is. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. Controlled by righteousness. The final characteristic is character. And character just sums up all these other seven. The character of Jesus Christ. A mature believer has the character of Jesus Christ. It's wore out now. It's pretty much even, I can't even remember the last time I've seen it uh, or seen one of those bracelets or anything, but it comes back to that, that WWJD that was so popular for a while. Yeah. And, and it's more than wearing the bracelet. I read back when it the, the, the heyday of the What Would Jesus Do movement of somebody breaking in a convenience store and stealing a rack of What Would Jesus Do Jewelry. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have stole a rack of G, What Would Jesus Do Jewelry. That's, that's what, one of the things he wouldn't have done. But character is righteousness. Ca- righteousness, and I, I want to give you, I, I, over the years I've given you a definition of righteousness that said righteousness is doing what is right. I want to expand that definition a little bit more. It means both to, to be right and to do right. To be right and to do right. That's righteousness. Here's the distinction. Here's the distinction. You can be right internally. You can be saved. You can be on your way to heaven and go out in the world and go out in the workplace and not do right. Agree? But righteousness means you are right and you do right. That's righteousness. See, that's the mark of a mature believer when it comes from being something in here and begins to be something out here. When our walk with God begins to affect and influence our walk with each other, that's maturity. When our relationship with God begins to have an impact on our relationship with our family and with our children, with our coworkers, with our bosses, with our neighbors. That's when we become a mature believer. When all of this comes together into who we are as a person. I I, I shared with you before a good friend of mine in the ministry had a young man who got saved in his church and uh, a couple of weeks later, he had him up front. The man wanted to say something. And that's something, I've got to be honest with you, always worries me about that microphone back there. Uh, because it's so far away from me, I can't con- you know, get it away from some people. Uh, you know, um, and, and the young man came up front and said he wanted to say something. And let's just say what he said was not church appropriate. Okay? He was trying to brag on the Lord and brag about his salvation. But he used his language from his other life. Why? Oh, he was right inside. He's saved by grace. He loved Jesus, but he hadn't matured yet. He hadn't grown in his faith. He hadn't allowed that. That the Holy Spirit hadn't finished. You know, had a little again, a little children song. He was still working on him. Yeah, and, and, and he stood up and got that microphone in front of the whole church. Just right there it is. Yeah, and. Everybody in church clapped for him and all because they understood. But listen, that's what I mean by maturity. He was saved on the inside. But you can be right and not do right. Are we allowing our salvation to affect not just our being, but our doing? That's the question of the morning. That's the question. Can I tell you, from looking around our society, looking around our churches, seeing what I see, and what you see, would you say there are a lot of people who are right, who are not doing right? We need maturity. We need to grow in our salvation. I want to ask you this morning to bow your heads. You're here today, you're watching online. And you'd be honest enough to admit this morning, I'm not as mature in my faith as I need to be. I'm not as mature in my walk with the Lord as I should be. Would you come this morning and kneel, kneel at your seat? However you want to do it this morning. And say, Lord, mature me. I'm not sure that's a good sentence. But Lord, develop me. Grow me. Make me a mature follower. So that I'll have the characteristics of a mature believer. You've heard them this morning. You look at that list you ask yourself, are these present in my life? But more importantly, you're here today, or you're watching online, and you don't know Christ personally. You don't know Him. See, Paul said, I'm confident that what Christ has began in you. If you're here today, no matter how young you are, no matter what age you are, no matter how long you've been in church, or whether this is your first Sunday in church, whether this is your first Sunday hearing the gospel, Christ wants to begin a work in you. He wants to save you. If you didn't hear anything else I said this morning, you hear this. Whether you're in this room or online, you pay close attention. And you hear this one more time. There is only one way to heaven. And that's Jesus Christ. If you've never been saved, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, stop it. And I'm going to invite you to come, come up here and, and take me about, it, and I'll tell you how you can be saved. And I'll show you how you can ask Jesus Christ into your heart. If you're not a believer, you need to become one. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to become one today. But if you are, we need to be mature followers, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you will take it and you'll apply it to our hearts. God, we desperately need mature believers Mature followers of Christ in this culture. We need men and women who have discernment. We need men and women who love each other in the gospel. We need men and women who will pray for each other, pray for their church. God, help us to be mature followers. But God, if there is one today here in this room that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray today that you'll deal with their heart, that they'd see their need. God, today would be the day they'd come to know Christ. Let them have the courage, bind Satan, that they'd be willing to step out and come and ask Jesus to save their soul. Which in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we stand together. If I was to die today, I die lost, and I need Jesus Christ to part. Maybe you're a church member. Maybe you've been in, Maybe you've been baptized. The truth is, you don't know Christ. He wants to begin a good work in you. My thoughts outside my service each day Jesus is Lord of all all right thank you for being here today thank you for this good uh, good turnout this morning and uh, thank you those who are online just uh, that crowd continues to grow uh, as well and so we're grateful for that uh, again um, remind you that um, at seven o'clock every morning, um, there is on Facebook and YouTube both um, a Bible study that uh, comes on that you can watch at any time during the day, and so uh, that's available to you as well, and uh, or a podcast. However, you, if you do podcasting, um, I can't exactly I know how to do it, but I don't know how to tell you how to do it. So. Um, but you can do it that way. But I um, appreciate uh, everybody who listens in that uh, to those as well. All right, let's bow as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word. Uh, God, I thank you for how it uh, penetrates our heart, uh, God, how it speaks to our needs. Um, Lord, that um, pray that you take it and use it today to, uh, to transform us, to change us uh, this morning as we go out. Make us mature followers Uh, of you. We'll give you the honor for it all, which in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.